Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. There are so many passages that show us that he died because of your love and his love for us. We are here before you without merit. We are here without any accomplishments worthy of your presence. And yet, because of Christ, you have broken down the dividing wall. Father, thank you for loving us. As we go through this passage tonight, may we see the tension that was building during the arrest of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. And amen. John chapter 18 is our text tonight. And when we finish uh, this weekend, we will go back and get some of the passages that we have missed in the book of John so that we can have the complete book studied before we leave it. But with the timing of the Easter weekend coming upon us, it seems appropriate that tonight we would do the arrest, Friday night that we would do the crucifixion, and then on Sunday the resurrection. I posted on Twitter this week the, the schedule of the three messages, and some man from some other church, I don't know what church it was, but it's not local, he's like, Bruce, you should tell the truth about all this. Jesus was not arrested on Wednesday, and he was not raised on Easter, and uh, was just giving me down the road about it, and... I wanted to tell him, hey, look, this is the schedule of the three sermons, but I decided just to block him and be done with it. I want you to understand that what we're talking about here is, is something that is not to be taken lightly at all, that we are to respect, honor, and truly value what Jesus went through. Again, think about it. Jesus sitting on the throne prior to Matthew setting beside God, being glorified by the angels, coming to the earth knowing that he would be treated as rudely and abusively as he was. Having no sin whatsoever, he became our sin and paid the price that we could never pay, that price being the wrath of God being placed upon him. In John chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And I want you to notice that phrase there, and I encourage you to even underline it. The Jews wanted to kill Jesus, and I've got some verses there for you. Even in the book of John by itself, we saw in chapter 5 they wanted to kill him. We saw in chapter 8 they wanted to stone him. Uh, we saw in uh, chapter 10 they wanted to stone him in verse 31. We saw in chapter 10, verse 39, they wanted to arrest him, but he escaped their hands. And then even, even in chapter 11, uh, they had given orders that if anybody had seen him at that festival, they wanted to c capture him and take him into custody. And so Judas worked out this deal with them, saying, okay, I will find you a way that you can get Jesus away from the crowd because I know where he goes. And Jesus had certain places that he would take his disciples and train them and teach them and, and pray with them. 
And Judas knew it well. I met with a pastor friend of mine today, and I said, you know, this Easter season, the biggest blessing that I've had as far as the studying of Scripture has really been focused on the idea of how much Jesus protected Judas, knowing that Judas was the one who was going to betray him, but yet none of the disciples had a clue. Obviously, at this point, with them being without him, and then Judas coming in with the soldiers and the priest, that obviously gave the answer who it was. But before then, they didn't have a clue what was going on. In verse 3, Judas, having a, procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priest, and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him. And again, that's a phrase I would encourage you to underline. You will never, ever surprise Jesus. He knows everything before it happens. Jesus came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is, again, one of these verses in Scripture that just blows my mind. How do you experience that? And then turn right around and do it again. These are soldiers trained for battle, and yet when Jesus says, I am he, something knocks them down. Something overwhelms them. And he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost no one. If you have a reference Bible, that verse is pointing you back to that great prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said, I didn't lose any of them except for the, the son of perdition, which it was supposed to happen that way. And that was talking about Judas. So since Jesus knew all these things that were going on, I want you to think about the harmony of the Gospels again as we look at, for example, in Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd of, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said, Friend, and I want you to notice that word. He didn't say, You liar. You hypocrite. He said, Friend, do what you came to do. Jesus knew this had to happen. Jesus picked Judas on purpose to fulfill his role in the arrest and crucifixion. In Mark 14, basically the same thing. The sign was given, the one that I'll kiss is the man, seize him and lead him away under guard. I wonder why Judas was concerned about them having a guard taking Jesus away. 
I heard a, a message about this passage of Scripture, and, and because the Jews were so afraid of Jesus, that they had a great multitude of soldiers coming to arrest him. In Mark chapter 14, verse 45. Actually, verse 44, uh, seized him, leading him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And again, it's that kiss of, here's the guy. Here's the one. Lutus, uh, Luke chapter 22. Again, the idea of the crowd coming, uh, Judas there with him. He draws near to Jesus to kiss him. And, and Jesus says, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Now, we've talked about Judas being assigned this task. But look at all of these times that Jesus has said something to him to, to really make him think, am I going to really do this? When Jesus said at the Lord's Supper, one of you will betray me. And he takes the, the bread and he dips it and he hands it to Judas. And the fact that Judas knowing what was going on, and yet he's like, okay, I've been with you three years, and yet I'm about to do this. And he does it. Going back to the idea of Matthew, when Jesus was talking to the crowd that was coming out, he says, you're coming at me like I'm a, a robber or something, like I'm a criminal. When I was with you, you did nothing. But now that I'm out here, you've got clubs and swords. He says in Matthew chapter 26, day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. And I want you to make sure that you grab this verse again, or this phrase. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. I want you to think about who he's talking to. He's not talking to his disciples there. He's talking to the very ones who have come to arrest him. This same thing is recorded in Mark chapter 14. And so what I want you to see is here is the Jews coming to arrest Jesus. <coughs> and they want to arrest him because they're calling him a blasphemer, one who is claiming to be of God when that's impossible, they said. And Jesus is saying, the reason you're arresting me is so that a scripture, in order that God's word might be fulfilled. If they weren't already mad as they were, you know that made it worse. Who are you to tell us what scripture says? You are the one who's betrayed God. You're the one that denies God by saying that you are God, or the Son of God, or you are the Messiah. And you want to talk to us about God's word? Not only that, but Luke adds this phrase. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. What did Jesus say that he was the light? And yet here they're not walking in the light. They're walking in the darkness. If you think about all the stuff going on in the world right now and, and how bad certain things are, there is nothing that can compare to being guilty of lying about Jesus Christ and wanting Him crucified. 
the most holiest man who's ever walked on this earth. And they wanted him dead. Friday night when we have the, the crucifixion, some of the background passages, you'll see some really, really bad hypocrisy on the part of the Jews dealing with the fact that they brought him to Pilate and says, we have no uh, ability. We can't, we can't kill him. We want you to do it. And you'll see why that's a, a hypocritical when we get there. So in, in the passage of John that we're looking at, again, Jesus said this fulfills Scripture, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that my father or the father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. A couple of things here I want you to see. First of all, that phrase, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This, this cup that he's talking about is not a, a physical cup that you and I would drink out of. It, it's the, the cup of wrath that he was about to endure on your behalf and my behalf. And again, think about this. If the disciples had known that Judas was the, the bad guy, if you will, and if they had stopped him from uh, making this possible at this time, or if something else had changed and it didn't happen the way that God had planned, then that would say that God's not in control after all. But I really want you to consider that everything happened exactly according to plan, on time, exactly on time. Again, I was listening to a message today and the comment was made that when Jesus died, it was at the time that the animals were being sacrificed and here is the greatest Lamb of God dying at the same exact time. Now, what about this sword business? When we think about disciples, we think about, okay, you're, you're preaching, you're healing, you're, you're ministering. Uh, why do you have a sword? Well, Luke 22 gives us the answer, although it is very unusual. In Luke 22, Jesus says, When I sent you out... With no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said to them, but let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. Let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, that he was numbered with the transgressors. For what was written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, not he, but they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. He said to them, it is enough. Enough for what? There's some things in Scripture you're like, Where, where's he going with this? And again, think about this. There's two swords, but Peter's the only one that we know who draws a sword and does anything. John is the only one of the four who identifies Peter and Malchus. In Matthew, it says one of those who's with Jesus. And in Matthew, Jesus says, put back your sword. Why? Do you think I cannot appeal 
to my Father, and He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels. Again, it was Peter. When Jesus says that I will be crucified, He says, Lord, that shall never be. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. In the book of Mark, Again, the idea of let the, the scriptures be uh, fulfilled. Luke is the only one who talks about the healing of the man whose ear was cut off. It says, and he touched his ear and healed him. And again, think about who this guy is. Malchus, according to scripture, is the servant of the high priest. And the high priest are the ones who want to kill Jesus. How does that set with you? that you are taking part in the arrest of somebody who stopped one of his disciples from killing you. And because you're injured like that, he comes to your aid and he heals your ear. What do you say to the high priest then? And then finally, I want you to see this. And this, is, this part here is a review from what we had this past Sunday. Remember that Jesus said, you will all fall away because of me. He said, it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He said it in Matthew 26. He said it in Matthew 26, 35, when Peter says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. But yet Mark and Matthew both say at this point in the story, they all fled. They all fled. 